0: Shalom Haverim. Well, it's Wednesday and it's now 8 o'clock and I'd like to thank those of you who are joining me to join me. Let's give it a minute for people to decide to log on. Questions for this evening? I have a couple of things that I would like to talk about and I'll repeat our topic this evening as more people join our discussion. Cults, religion, when does a religion become a cult? And do cults actually become religions at some point? Interesting topic. However, you may have heard of Occam's Razor. A 14th century English Franciscan friar was William of Ockham. And, among other things, he taught that the simplest explanation is usually the correct explanation. And it became known as Ockham's razor. You know, we use it cutting to the chase, cutting things down. It's a very intriguing idea Because if we look at our own lives and if we look at our own explanations of our own behavior, the more cockamamie, the more convoluted our own explanations are, generally we're covering something up and we're making, we're fabricating rather than the simplest explanation being the most accurate. And William of Ockham is known, he's famous for Ockham's Razor. Shakespeare said it a little differently. Methinks the lady doth protest too much. Over, over and over. I'm not, I didn't do that. Oh, I have an explanation. The more we explain, chances are we're guilty of whatever it might be. Remember when in law, you only ask a question once in a trial, and you only ask a question that you know the answer to, and that's not an accident. It comes out of the same philosophy that overly explaining, overly denying, usually means something's going on. So, the correct explanation may be the simplest explanation. Well, just a thought, because as here on TikTok and here everywhere, people come up with unbelievable explanations to explain the moon landing is a hoax. The Kennedy assassination wasn't whatever we think it might be. And all of these involve a lot of detailed, intertwined explanations. I am not an Orthodox rabbi. I'm reform. I was ordained at the Hebrew Union College, Cincinnati, Ohio. And I think of myself as open to a lot of different ideas and also a lot of different religions and different philosophies. They're worth studying. And not all religions are bullshit or conglomeration. You know, a lot of us have complaints with organized religion, not religion as it stands. And I have come to reach my own conclusions about the universe, about philosophers, about prophets and where they fit in. But that doesn't mean that your particular beliefs are right or wrong, because your beliefs. You know, there's different kinds of truth, and we often lose sight of that. Is there a Coke machine on Mars? Yeah, probably there is. They're way ahead of us. That's called verifiable truth. We can send up a probe, We can send, eventually we'll send people, it can be examined. It's verifiable truth. But then there are truths in the universe that can't be verified through the five senses. And we have to reach our own conclusion about whether they're true or they're not true. Because they're not verifiable in the same way as a Coke machine on Mars. And people offer challenges all the time and say, gee, Rabbi, why don't you accept Jesus as the Christ? Gee, Rabbi, why don't you accept why don't you da, da, da? No. Because those aren't verifiable truths. Those are truths that each of us have to arrive at based on our own proof and evidence. What, how, what proof and evidence do we accept in order to reach these conclusions? And Someone quoting to me a passage from scripture, someone throwing something at me, is not convincing. In fact, it's kind of cockamamie. It's kind of out of the way. We could certainly have discussions and look at text, but just quoting something or throwing something and saying to me, why don't you believe, is not, no, that doesn't work for my proof and evidence. I need a little bit more time. I need a little bit more. I need a discussion with you. And religion, to say it's real or not real, again, that's just kind of silly. It really, really is. To make these um, general statements about something. You know, one can make a religion out of McDonald's. Gambling becomes a religion. So religion is a particular word that's used to describe our behaviors, and how we relate to the universe. So, I believe in one. I believe everything's interconnected. And sometimes using the word God can be misleading or deceiving, because each of us may have a definition of God. And so, if I say, I believe in God, then It's your definition you're thinking of that I'm accepting. So we have to be really careful with our terminology. I believe in one. Now, that's when I use the word God, I refer to one. That may not be how you use the word God. And that makes the discussion kind of interesting, because we have to set up our definitions So before asking me, do I accept Jesus as the Christ? Do I accept Jesus as God? You have to define for me, and that's why I invite you. Send me an email, RabbiBlock at Hotmail.com, and we can go to my Zoom room. Be glad to talk with you. But these uh, live TikToks don't lend themselves to more in-depth discussion. And I certainly can, can tell you, there are lots of books out there. Remember, when scripture was canonized, there are 50 or 60 gospels. That's unworkable. So at the Council of Nicaea and subsequent council, the Christian canon was established. The three synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, were will put in the canon. Then the Gospel of John was a theologic work. And the fathers of the church decided this would become the official canon. But there are 50, 60 other good news, other gospels out there. They're not wrong. They're not bad. They just weren't included in the official canon because it got too wieldy, too out of hand. The same thing happened with Hebrew scripture. It just became too much, too many. And that's why we have commentary That's why we have Midrash and commentary on the Midrash. That's why we have Talmud and Mishnah. All these other books bring in all these other sources. No, I'm not contradicting anything that I'm saying that religion, organized religions, require organization. One can be very religious and never step foot in a church a mosque, or a synagogue. That's very different from being Roman Catholic, Episcopalian, or Methodist. Organized religions have rules and regulations. Now, the Zohar, one of our books of Jewish mysticism, is really a midrash, it's a commentary, to tease out, to help us understand the one. So it's not so simple as one document, one place to go to. We need to do some reading, do some studying, and reach our own conclusions about what's going on there. To say that God is invisible kind of reminds me of Casper the ghost. That's why we want to be circumspect in what we're professing or what we're talking about. I believe in one. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, God is one, not one god, but one, everything interconnected. Everything is part of. Pretty simple, isn't it? Ah, Occam's razor again. The simplest explanation may be the most correct. Everything's one. And as we try to understand, well, God's all-knowing and all-powerful, well, could God just create a rock he can't lift? Ha, 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 ha. We can come up with all kinds of other things. However, the simplest explanation is one. Is one. I believe in one. One. One what? One. Tough concept. I dropped my pen. Excuse me. Everything is interconnected. That's one. You know, you look at your fingers. They're connected to an arm, connected to a body. But if you just focus on the fingers, you're going to miss the whole person. The one. And often when we talk about God, like focusing on fingers, we focus on one aspect, one thing, and we lose sight of it's interconnected. I'm focusing on this, but it's part of everything. Speaking to God, talking to God, hmm, that's really a neat question. You know, prayer is just kibitzing with God. It's just having a conversation. Because if, well, not if, this is my belief, doesn't have to be yours. And we often focus on inconsistency. We focus on the pieces rather than sitting back and experiencing the universe, experiencing everything that's out there. Even the idea of the Trinity, remember the Trinity is a mystery, is a miracle of three in one. It's not three. It's not three things kind of put together like a pen, a finger, and a nose. The Trinity is three in one. Uh, Again, we come back to the one. Hmm. Now, if that resonates with you, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm Mm-hmm. We just want to be careful to separate out organized religion from religion. We can have a spiritual, personal experience that's not dictated by any rules or regulations of an organized religion. Look, baseball is an organized sport. Football is an organized sport. If you show up on the baseball diamond with a football, you're in the wrong place, wrong game. It's not right or wrong. We're playing baseball. And it has rules. When you walk into a mosque, a synagogue, a Roman Catholic church, an Episcopal church, there are rules that dictate how we behave, what we say, and the service is organized around rules. Hence, that's why we talk about organized religion. But that's just a piece. That's why we use an adjective, organized religion. Spirituality is our experience of everything that's not us. Religion is how we organize our lives. Remember I said, you can make eating at McDonald's a religion. You can make gambling a religion because that's how you organize your life. So religion isn't always about prayer, worship, and God. And we have lots of sacred literature. We have different people's experiences of the divine. And they're... Teachings, their stories. And I've mentioned before, there are as many ways to understand God as there are leaves on the trees on the golf course. And it's up to each of us to kind of look at how this relates. How do we relate? Again, to keep it simple, here's a a criteria we all can use, workability. Do you have some good days, some bad days? Do you have some friends, some people that don't care for you? If your beliefs lead to hurting yourself and others, you're on the wrong track. If your beliefs alienate everyone around you and you're unhappy and not satisfied... It's time to take a look at how you look at the universe. It's not working. These just things aren't working for you. If I accept the Torah as literal, I'm going to be leading a different lifestyle than the one that I I believe that the Torah is truth and it's not true. That's my belief. And I find it works for me. It's simple. It gets me through the day. It allows me to function and to enjoy life. Now that's for me. And there are different ways to relate to the universe. Judaism does not make statements about being gay, lesbian, or homosexual. It's genetic. It may be something hardwired into certain individuals. However, it's not something we want to condemn. It's not a sin. It's not bad. To be accepting of everything in God's universe. However, yes, you can be Jewish and a Taylor Swift fan at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. I can make statements and I don't have to be. I can accept someone who is gay, homosexual, lesbian, bisexual. However, I don't have to um, do those or act that. I believe that abortion is a medical procedure And Judaism requires abortion in some cases and forbids it in others. However, that's my personal belief. And I don't have to practice those things to accept people that do. And to start making accusations about being blind or I'm not going to heaven, come on. Let's not be so... Presumptuous as to know what goes on in the universe or what God teaches, what God believes. Don't be so arrogant. Hubris does not have a good outcome. Being blatantly... Uh, whatever the word is for it. Yeah, I believe in one. And it's very different from the idea of one God. And again, that's my belief. And what I believe I'm sharing with you, you can have your beliefs. It doesn't negate your beliefs. I'm not challenging your beliefs. No. Each one of us has to come to our own conclusions. And uh, Jesus as prophet, Jesus as teacher, and not accepting Jesus as the Mashiach, as the Messiah, as the Christ, my proof and evidence is such that it, has, it hasn't fulfilled my proof and evidence. However, maybe it's fulfilled your proof and evidence. So, how is that working for you? Does it get you through the day? Are you happy? Are you not condemning other people for their beliefs? Are you not harming other people? Are you not harming your own family members? Then, that's fine. Because as I mentioned, that's workability. How do things, how do things, work? How's that working for you? And to the synagogue is the, is the synagogue of Satan. Come on, that doesn't do you justice. It's not you're not being fair to yourself when you start, because when we start attacking others, it shows our insecurity. It's not an attack on me you're demonstrating to me that you don't feel secure in your beliefs. So the only way to kind of cover that up is to strike out, to attack, to act out. Mm-hmm. Someone just mentioned about going live together. Please, Rabbi Block at Hotmail.com. Send me an email, and certainly we can set up a live session uh, I'd Glad to set up live sessions with anyone out there that would like that. But I'm not just going to um, click on something. I want to talk about how we're going to talk to each other, what our subject is, to to be respectful of each other. So please send me an email and we'll meet in my Zoom room and talk about uh, going together, about coming on live. I'd be glad to. I'd like to do that. Keep in mind that in Judaism, we have no central authority, no pope, no cardinals, no bishops. Each of us as rabbis speak for ourselves. And my job as rabbi, the word rabbi means teacher. So my job is to teach and then get out of the way so you can develop your own beliefs and answer questions. That's why I'm live on TikTok, to answer questions. In terms of conversion, again, the book of Ruth, your God will be my God, your people will be my people. Whether thou goest, I will go. That's the basis for conversion to Judaism. Now, what do you need to say that? My Orthodox colleagues have a whole list of criteria and say this is what you need to or should believe to convert. Within the reform movement, we offer classes and the goal of these classes is to say to you, have you learned enough or would you like to learn more or what would you like to learn more about? So we're going to tailor conversion so you can accept the God of Israel and and the Jewish practice, Jewish traditions. It's a little bit different From the orthodox that already have decided what you need to believe and they're going to teach it to you. Heaven is also a tricky subject because each of us has a a different idea or concept of what heaven is. For me, heaven is uniting with the one without my body. Remember each, uh, remember, I believe that we are spiritual. And we have a material existence. At some point, the material body decays. It diseases, it falls away. Um, Nothing lasts forever. Nothing's permanent. Nothing's permanent. The spirit then reunites with the one. Now, if that's what you mean by heaven, then yes. If you're thinking of heaven as playing video games for eternity, eating Food, and not gaining weight—that's not what I'm thinking. But that doesn't mean you're wrong. Just not what I have come to understand. No, um, I, I take a medication, and this is subcutaneous bleeding. That's what you're seeing on the screen. No, I don't. I don't. That's not a cancerous growth of any kind, and. If you've had can't contact with some older people, even some younger people, they're taking blood thinners. You'll notice that there is subcutaneous bleeding or easy bruising. That's what the medication does. No. Um I have a couple of things I've osteoarthritis, I have some arthritis. Nothing of serious. I'm seventy seven. Remember what I said, nothing's permanent. The the body begins to kind of fall apart as we age and we try to do the best we can with diet, with not smoking, so that we can live as healthy as long as we can. But at some point, my material existence will cease. That'll be death. And I'll find out if what I understand about the spirit going back to God is what happens. And that's what, and, but that's what Judaism teaches. So I'm Jewish. I'm a rabbi. I follow the Jewish teaching. That's it. It's mm-hmm. that It's that simple. Repentance in Judaism. Mm, Neat question. The Hebrew word for sin in Judaism is chet. The translation is missing the mark. So you want to be careful when you're talking to Jewish people or reading Jewish literature. When you come across the word sin, it's not a state of being. It's not punishment. It just means you miss the mark. You know the best way to behave. You know the right thing to do. You miss the mark. So what is repentance? Making amends. Not missing the mark next time. Parking it away. So you don't commit the same uh, missing the mark every time. Repentance becomes uh, becomes making amends. Pay if it's you stole something, you, you pay back money. If you insulted someone, you apologize. Don't do it again. That's it. Nothing nothing deep about it. It's as I'm saying, as Occam would say, it's really very simple. You insulted someone, apologize. You acted incorrectly, act correctly next time. Mm hmm. And we can return into a better version of yourself. That's repentance. Somebody just, just asked that as a question or posted that. Yes. You you know Gra turn to Judaism Christianity. Grandma told you the right way to behave. You say please, you thank you, you don't insult people, you don't embarrass people in public. Mm-hmm. You know. And so what's the correct way to behave? And so in Judaism, chait means you miss the mark. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great-grandparents I wish I could have met. The man I'm named after, Chaim Baro. And Bella, his wife. I would like to have learned some lessons from them. Hmm. However, I can learn lessons because knowing they were Jewish, knowing what they studied, knowing their lifestyle, I can kind of do an extrapolation and say, Chaim Baro, I hope I'm living up to how you imagine, how you would think of your great-grandson. Remember, I'm second-generation American. Just second-generation. Grandparents came from Golboki in Belarus and the other side of the family from Ukraine. And it wasn't unusual for Jews to migrate during the Russian Revolution, just before, just after. And those of my family that didn't migrate were killed in the Holocaust. Rounded up and killed because they were Jews. No family. And there's lots of cousins I don't have because they didn't come. They didn't make it. Mm-hmm. We're coming down to the end of our half hour. Thank you for listening to me this evening. And I hope you'll join me again next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. If you have questions, again, Rabbi Block at Hotmail.com. If you email me, I'll answer... I'll bring them up as subjects. And if you would like to do some joint broadcasting together, please email me. And I'd be glad to set that up. I'm not quite sure how, but I'll learn. You'll learn. We'll learn together. Uh, I I guess we click on something, and then we would have a joint thing. But I really would like to join in. And so, please... We have another minute or two. Yeah, I just got a couple of people saying they're going to send me an email. And we have a whole week before again. So this ends our session this evening. And Hatzlecha, I wish all the best for you. Be gesund, stay stay healthy, stay out of trouble, and take care of yourselves. Lehitraot, until we meet again.